from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. Literally complete global chaos. As we say this with everything that's going on between Ukraine and Russia, we're going to give you a break from the geopolitical climate right now. And today, we're going to talk about jobs. First, though, please remember, do us a favor, download the Shark Bite Biz app. You can get it on Android at the Google Play Store. That's where you'll find every single episode of the show, the audio, the video. It's all right there in the app. Plus, you can buy our awesome coffee right there. Just click on the little coffee store icon in the menu, and you can get the freshest coffee known on Earth, Dead House Coffee. I mean, this is coffee that is uh, roasted, sealed, and shipped within a 24-hour period right to your doorstep. You can buy right there on the app again. Just search Shark Bike Biz on the Google Play Store on your Android device. Or if you still want to support us, you can go to deadhousecoffee.com. Just remember, use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off your order, and all the proceeds will help us continue building the biggest and best show we possibly can. Now let's get back to today's show. The Great Resignation. Oh, it's in full swing. When will it end? What things are of importance to employees today? And what is the future of the workplace? We'll get some answers from one of the most reliable experts in the jobs industry today. So, who do we have? You may have seen him on the job reports on CNBC. We have the CEO of Recruiter.com, Mr. Evan Soane. Evan is the chairman and chief executive officer of Recruiter.com, an on-demand recruiting platform providing flexible talent acquisition solutions that scale from startups to the Fortune 100. With an on-tap network of thousands of recruiting professionals, advanced artificial intelligence sourcing software, and recruitment marketing automation, Recruiter.com helps businesses solve today's complex hiring challenges. Sohn is a frequent contributor to CNBC and Yahoo Finance, as well as the founder of the Sohn Conference Foundation. So, hey, without further delay, let's bring Mr. Evan Sohn right on in Business here. Strategy. Evan, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. Ouch. Doing well. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. First question we have tradition on the show. We ask everybody, what are you doing? Where you've been? How'd you get there? Basically, in a nutshell, tell us what makes Evan, Evan. Uh, so, you know, I love to solve problems. Um, and, you know, my mother, God rest her soul, taught me never sit in the back of the class, right? So <laughs> I'm always, I'm always the guy raising your hand, getting involved. Uh, and oh, you're one of those. I'm one of those moving <laughs> the ball down the field, overachiever, one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not young, uh, 54 years old. Uh, I started my Don't first Don't look at company. day over 53. There you go. Um, 
I uh, started my first company in 1989, uh, right out of NYU Business School. I was a programmer in okay. uh, started a company in mobile computing, and we grew that over a decade. Got bought by Dun and Bradstreet. Yeah, uh, I noticed there. that you got acquired by Dun and Bradstreet, and I've I've got to admit, I mean, that's quite impressive, right there, especially being a mobile computing company. I mean, I just want people to think about that for one second and just, you know, Very pay old. that respect. Yeah, you, you know, you're mobile, talking about mobile yeah, computing man, in is. 1990s. And then you're ridiculous. bought by Dunn and Bradstreet. And that that that's a, you know, well-known brain. You know, everybody has yeah, a DMB yeah. number. So that yeah, that's I, awesome. Congrats. Uh, thanks. I, I actually think we might have been like the first acquisition in like the mobile space in the 90s. Wow. So, if, you know. For your audience, you know, what mobile was in the 90s has no bearing on what it looks like today. Um, Really no bearing. Uh, But it was great. Uh, We had this thesis of like that mobile will really be dominated initially by professional service applications. And we actually built business applications that ran on a number of different mobile devices. And uh, Dun & Bradstreet's a data company. We were actually a good data. Mobile devices were great for data collection. And the, the two were really a very good marriage. Yeah, it's still the same way today. I mean, Facebook, uh, Google, it's pretty much like putting your own uh, spyware on your phone. <laughs> you'll, you will love this story. So I, my company built one of the first wireless email systems, what we all mm. call email. And right. then, you know, we built the first wireless email system. And I would land on an airplane. We would land. I'd open up my handheld with an antenna. You know, and someone goes, what are you doing? And remember, this is like 1993, 94. I'm like, I'm checking my email. And they're mm-hmm. like, why would you want to do that now? Right, Ima- right, imagine. right. Like, why would you want to do that now? And really, it was like, you know, I'm like, you guys, you'll see. And and it was pretty incredible, you know, what, what the world looked like then. I remember I, I started working very young. And one of the first pieces of technology I bought was... It was some sort of like a Palm Pilot type device. But sure. the reason that the main reason why I bought it was I was able to get a CompuServe email with it, I believe. So, you know, yeah, I remember <laughs> I'm like, I'm like 15 or 16 at the time, uh, started working in restaurants all through the summer. And I had literally, it was like the funky pickle at funky, just to clarify, F U N K Y, the funky pickle at CompuServe.net or whatever it was back then. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, I've i always loved tech. And then I went and I bought a web TV and, you know, it was just, I don't know. I've always had this really, you know, weird 90s kind sure. of view of technology growing up with it, doing things the hard way, because I never had yeah. an actual computer to the 2000s. That that's funny. So you know, we can geek out and talk about the day we went from ninety six hundred boards to fourteen dot four was like one of the greatest days of you know of that, of, of that year. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, really, uh, it, it was just a, a very different time, and uh, I've really had the pleasure since then to really be involved with some really awesome companies, mm-hmm. uh, great people, awesome companies, uh, different types of technologies. I got a, a real nice potpourri of uh, of experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So. Right now, you actually are at a very, I'll say, in the moment spot because it's the center of this 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 thing that's going on worldwide. It seems called the the Great Resignation, and you are the CEO of Recruiter.com. How did that come about? 
So uh, I got involved with the company about three years ago. Uh, I was brought in by one of the original investors. Uh, Recruiter.com was a media company. Uh, so okay. once a media company, a media company has, you know, three and a half million social media touch points, 100,000 uh, Twitter followers, uh, largest LinkedIn groups, and Recruiter.com would actually sell advertising to companies to market their stuff to the recruiter audience, the Recruiter.com audience. So okay. like Indeed and LinkedIn have actually paid us to market their stuff to the recruiter network. We have like the largest network of recruiters and HR professionals, about 850,000 globally. Wow. And uh, when I got involved, I said, if you have this you know, media company called recruiter.com, let's transform it into a transactional platform. You know, How do we leverage these recruiters uh, to really do more uh, to help companies of all sizes, you know, hire talent faster. And that was really the thesis. And mm -hmm. at the uh, the height of the pandemic in May of 20, of 20 I, I was actually this, the, the chairman of the board first. Okay. And in May of 2020, I, I sat down with the board um, and I said, look, guys, you know, uh, if we, we look at what stocks are going to be the shutdown stocks, right? What, you know, we're going to see uh, Peloton and Zoom, et cetera. I said, well, when this is all over, the job market's going to be an absolute you know, disarray, and we're going to be the guys to help get the country back uh, on its feet. And uh, I quit my day job and became uh, the CEO of the company. So that was yeah. in uh, June of uh, 2020. And you're absolutely right. You know, we're at the epicenter of everything that's going on. Um, we started a recruiter index. So in uh, in May, June of 2020, we surveyed our recruiters and said, all right, what do you see? You know, you guys are really the let's call it the air traffic controllers of the job market. So, hey, what are you seeing? What sentiment? What industries? You know, help us know where the proverbial hockey puck is going. And we took those results and published it as a recruiter index. And uh, we've been on CNBC now the day before um, the jobs report uh, every month, uh, talking about the sentiment of the overall recruiters, et cetera. I, I got bumped by President Biden right after, uh, in January 6th or 7th, whatever, uh, whatever that Thursday you. was. I got bumped with everything <laughs> that was going on. But, but that was about it. I felt like the dog... I felt like I was that monkey act on David Letterman getting bumped, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, you, sometimes you know, getting you bumped know, for the president, you know, that—that's one of the. the yeah. At least it was by the president. I mean, it, it's kind of yeah. like you know the 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 role the president's of. I it was mean, okay. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's not like you got bumped by a literal literal monkey act or something yeah, like that. Right. You know, lesser. Right. So. Actually, got bumped by the president of the United States. So I thought that was actually pretty cool. And now yeah. Recruiter.com really is living up to what we uh, set out to do. Uh, nationwide network actually a global network of on-demand recruiters and recruiting technology. We actually combine software. We're a SaaS platform, mm -hmm. monthly recurring revenue, subscription services to our software. Our software is actual real AI, artificial intelligence-backed software, accessing over 170 million records uh, profiles that we engage candidates on. And then we combine that with on-demand recruiters. And our, uh, and our clients are really recruiting talent faster and better than before. That is incredible. And you've touched on so many different points there. It'll be hard to go through them all. But the first one is uh, you mentioned Peloton and how the recruiting environment in 2020 is going to be different towards the yeah. end of the pandemic. Yeah. 
And it's kind of ironic that you mentioned them because didn't they just have big, huge layoffs as people big, are big transitioning layoffs, to the right. endemic? So the yeah, the job know. market, it's changing for them. I mean, that in a sense, yeah. it seems like your prediction kind of is coming true in that aspect. Yeah. So it's, it's look, you know, you're picking up on there, there are really three trends that are going on today. Mm-hmm. And we could double click on these, you know, so the first really is this very, very tight labor market, certainly in the hourly employees, right? You right. know, and there are a variety of reasons, 4% unemployment, 10.6 million open roles, you know, 1.6 open roles for every person that's unemployed, um, wage increases, uh, et cetera. You know, we're, and we're seeing that today. You go to the restaurant and they can't staff it at night. You go to the airport and they had to cancel the flight. Um, and that will eventually get resolved, right? In the next year, 18 months, as benefits sort of scale back. The second is what you called before, David, the great resignation. Mm-hmm. And the great resignation really was about more people than before quitting. So, you know, what your audience should know is people quit every month. Right. Uh, if we have 160 million uh, working adults in the United States, uh, there's about 22% annual turnover. So call it 3.5 million people quit every single month, 3 million, 3.5 million, depending on the number, what you're looking at. So every month people are quitting. Now in the financial sector, it's like 15%. And in the retail, it might be like 80%. And what the great, the great resignation was really about, well, all the people who didn't quit before sort of waiting on the sidelines to quit, they're quitting. They were, so, so they were waiting to quit. Cause this is what my theory has yeah. always been that, Hey, okay. Yeah. Uh, thank God, you know, we weren't laid off because of COVID. I kept my job, but I don't want to stay with this company. However, now is not the time to look for a new job. And now that we're in a position, it seems like that a lot of people can make changes, you know, digital transformation, remote yeah. work, a lot better right. pay benefits, all that stuff. People are taking advantage of that to make the change that if COVID didn't happen, these people probably wouldn't be employed with that same company anyways. That, that's right. So, yeah, um, you know, so the number was 4.5 million people quit in August. So if the regular number wow. is supposed to be 3.3 or 3.5, it's a million more. Now, that's why it's great. It's not great because it's 4.5 million. It's great because it's a million more than usually quit. Now, you're right. Uh, and there are a variety of reasons. One reason is you moved to Florida during mm-hmm. the pandemic. And right. now your company said, all right, David, come back full time. You're like, I'm not. I, I like it in Florida. Right. Or hey, grandma used to watch the kids. And now grandma, you know, is not around anymore. Grandma's too scared to watch the kids. So mm-hmm. there are a variety of reasons why these things actually happen. But we actually predict that the greatest nation will really slow up by the summer also. But the third, the third trend is what we call the job hopper economy. And this was really starting before the pandemic. You know, if you were out in Silicon Valley, and I spent a bunch of years out there with a company, um, mm-hmm. and you saw a resume of someone who in 12 years was at four companies, you would say, that person is hot. That's a hot software engineer. Four company, three companies, 12 years, amazing. That person's amazing. And that model is really happening today. So let's look at what's mm-hmm. happening today in, in not just the West Coast. A lot of old school industries, though, they they frown upon that. Oh, they they can't hold the job. They change every two, three years. But it's usually you're going up. You have to look at the resume. Are they doing a a horizontal jump or a vertical jump? So 
I'll give you the I'll give you the analogy or I'll, I'll give you the the story, you know, the narrative. If five years ago, so let's move the clock five. Let's just say mm-hmm. five years ago, you saw the resume of someone who was 30 years old and they were at the same company for 10 years. Uh, and the company is not Google or Goldman Sachs or McKinsey. Right. You would say, let's describe that individual, loyal, steadfast, climbing the ladder, right? All those sort of terms that you would attribute to that individual. If I said to you now, February 22, you saw a resume of someone who for 10 years was at the same company, not Google, Goldman Sachs, or McKinsey, you would probably describe that person as stale, mm-hmm. risk-averse, not interested in trying new things. You might complacent. even say complacent. You might even say, what's wrong with that person? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. If they're so good, how come they're not going someplace else? And the reason, David, is that for a knowledge worker, right? Not a person has to walk into a factory or a restaurant. A knowledge right. worker can now work anywhere on the planet. So everyone right. in this country is actually more valuable than they were. And so, you know, I was with the global head of talent at one of our clients, a big international company. He goes, look, I'm in my office right now. If I switch companies, I'm still in my office right now. Right. right? I could leave. I could. My life's not going to change. You know, used to be that. You switched companies, you had a different commute, you had a different different traffic pattern, mm-hmm. I have to leave earlier for this job. If that's gone, if that's finished, what is stopping me from leaving? And so if I could work from anywhere, I could easily apply. And by the way, what's interviewing today? Interviewing today is not putting on a suit or business attire and driving to a company and taking off the afternoon to go interview. David, you know the expression, it's a full-time job to find yeah. a job? Yeah. That would not be authored in February of 22. That's just not going to be authored there. So what we're seeing now is millennials, and a recent survey came out of millennials that 60% of all millennials have no problem leaving a job within the first six months. Why, yeah. why not? Who cares? Who cares? That, that's kind of crazy. Six months. I crazy. would not think that. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, wrote an article about three months ago begging employees Police stay out of company for at least 24 months. Right. 24 months. You know, you and I had parents or grandparents that said, look, your first job, you got to spend there four years. Mm-hmm. No, you got to, you got to be there. You got to show commitment. And now Please. it's that's not that just doesn't exist anymore. Or I, I again, I'm generalizing to prove a point. That's going away. The the day and age of where you 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 were you didn't have a job, you got a job, and you're gonna spend your life at that company is far and few between. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, when I hire somebody, I kind of look at the two to three year span. You know, that's what this person is going to be with me. And then they're either going to be moving out, looking for another place, or they're going to be moving up. It's upward mobility or outward mobility, as I call it. That's right. And that's what I expect when I hire somebody. I mean, my company, Vision 33, they knew me, how I am a go-getter. So they ended up moving me from LA to Philly to run their Northeast region as their general manager. It was that upward mobility that has kept me with Vision 33 now for six years. If that didn't happen, and they know this, it's no huge secret. Three years ago, I would have been gone to another company. So they provided that advancement for me. And I think that's where a lot of a lot of people kind of are in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and look, you know, as someone in the job market like mm-hmm. us, um, what this really means is that there's going to be far more 
high, you know, they're far more quits and hires than ever before. Right. Mm -hmm. And we actually predict, um, and I did this on CNBC the other day, you know, that the US will invest more than $50 billion in 22 over what they invested in 2019 in hiring talent, in talent, in talent costs. It's hard to hire. Very hard to hire talent right now. It's hard for us to even get a lot of people to interview. And it's crazy because I'm sure you've heard of SAP. With Business One, the small business platform ERP solution, we're number one globally for that. And we're very well known for what we do. And it's even hard for us to find talent. Now we also work in a specialized space. So, you know, you combine that with uh, increased salary expectations, stuff like that. I mean, it's been hard. Our number one focus last year and this year is is that it's so hard to hire new people because we get ghosted during interviews, all those types of things. It's been on retaining talent, making sure that we don't have voids, that we don't lose people. How much is retaining uh, focus for companies these days too? Um, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs a few weeks ago reported their numbers and their biggest surprise <laughs> expense was hiring and retaining. Hiring and, and, and I'll tell you something. I'll give you, I'll give you another prediction for 22. My prediction in 22, and it really mirrors the security industry back in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all knew security in the early 2000s was the guy at the gate who had checked your ID. You know, right, right. <laughs> that was security. Um, you know, internet security was to make sure that you didn't plug into the Ethernet cable. Like that yeah. was the internet security. And today, uh, everyone has security, right? There's the chief right. security officer, IT security, network security. We've outsourced <laughs> security either through antivirus, anti-spam filters, or whatever it is. And we actually predict that every company of size, 25 employees and above, will have some one responsible on a regular basis for talent uh, develop talent uh, acquisition and retention, whether it's internal or external, it's going to be someone's job. Uh, and there, there's going to be a lot more money invested to make sure these things are happening. And we're seeing that today. So one thing you discussed was about the, you know, the mobility of people being able to work from anywhere. I read an article and I just cited this the other day during another interview but I, I can't remember, it was either Forbes or Business Insider, some site like that, talking about how people are holding down, you know, like sales reps, for example, that are working from home. They're doing two, three, even four full-time yeah. jobs. Is that an actual trend or is that just some people working the system and figuring out how to maximize their revenue income during a tight yeah. labor market? Yeah, so we did see that at the beginning of the pandemic um, in a couple of different industries that we were in that we were involved in. But you know, here's an interesting statistic for you: thirty-five percent of all adults have a side hustle. Thirty-five yeah. percent. So you know, is is two full-time jobs, one job, and a side hustle? Uh, you know, is the person actually doing something illegal, like getting two W twos? You know, let's leave that aside and say, all right, you have a sales consult, you have a sales rep who works full-time for one company and he has a side hustle 
you know, cutting wood or right. doing something else. For, you know, me, for example, I have a podcast, so that's my side hustle. That's right. So, you know, you, you have a side hustle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and I think 35% of all adults have a side hustle, but what you're getting at in a, in a, in some, in some ways, I actually think that we are shifting away uh, or let's say we're shifting towards an outcomes-based society and less of a time-based society. Right. Um, you know, and, and I come from sales. And so in sales, we always were. Same here. You know, you, you, you hit your number. If you don't hit your number, it's like, well, I worked really hard last month. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, you close the deal. I don't really care what it took. Doesn't to close matter the deal. if you work five hours or you work 500 hours. You either hit your number or you didn't yeah. hit your number. And really, if you're hitting your number, especially if you're smashing your number, they, your boss, usually, unless they are some kind of crazy, total hands on and freak. You know, they usually don't care if you're working from the beach, if you're working from Disneyland, they don't care. You get the job done. Like it's, it's golden territory. And that's how I've always produced the best. And, you know, I hope my boss doesn't listen to this, but when I was in sales, (laughs) I had plenty of 10 hour weeks, but I was also a top performer for them that was smashing it, you know, and produced way more for them. And it's just how things are. Right. So if you take that to the to to the next level, why isn't every role designed around outcomes and less uh-huh. about clocking in and clocking out? Right. And look, when you know, um anecdotally, you know, five years ago, if I got an email from from you 1130 at night, I would say to myself, wow, David's really working late tonight. Right. If I got an email from you today at 11 o'clock at night, I would say, wow, Dave took off. Yeah. Had dinner with the kids, yeah. helped yeah. out with the family, and then went back online and sent me an email. Like I don't think yeah. for a moment that you've been working since 7 a.m. to 11:30 p.m. It's just, uh, it's just, it's a different world we're in. So Evan, I I have allowed you to name drop on here a couple of times. It's my turn time to name drop. We've had Soledad O'Brien on here, and this was probably about uh, a year ago. And uh, she was excellent at, you know, normally when she's on a show, people want to talk politics about her. But I was actually talking about, hey, you're a mother, you're a busy executive, you're TV, all that stuff. How has it been working from home? And she's telling us stories about tater tots and stuff like that. But one discussion we did have that was really cool was the future of work. Is 925 outdated for most positions and is it going to be, you know, basically output-related uh, positions, you know, based on performance, committing, you know, your task-based, task-orientated type work instead of the traditional 9 to 5, 40 hours a week type job? And she totally agreed. She thought that was the future, except, you know, obviously go to a grocery store, um, you know, those people need to work certain shift hours. But when you get out of sight of that, when you get into working professional, she's like, my segments for the most part, as long as they're on, you know, if I'm not live, if it's just a segment, as long as they're done on time, that's all I need to do is hit that deadline. Uh, Look, I I agree. I, I just, and it's actually an easier, isn't that an easier way to work? Isn't that easier so. to say, well, you know, how much time do you, who cares? Like, did you get your job done or, or not? You know, and, and by the way, I think that's how we originally started, right? You know, working in the fields, you, you pick your corn, you sold your corn, that's how you got paid. You know, and then the assembly mm-hmm. line was all about single tasks. 
and clocking in, clocking out and all those other things. But like, it's always about what do you get done, et cetera. And, and again, I, I think it's for the knowledge workers, but yeah, you know, it's, I think we're moving away from a nine to five world. I, and I will tell you another prediction for 22 yeah. is that work from anywhere will morph to hire from anywhere. Yeah. So today work from anywhere is very candidate centric and hire from anywhere is very company centric. Right. Hire from anywhere. We've experienced that where we've hired from Mexico, South America, India, and we've even offered to immigrate the people here on visas if they were a certain skill set that we need to complete a job and we can't find anybody in the U.S. and we're in a crunch. We're more than willing to do that. I think we're going to see a lot more of that from American companies going outward in the future. But my question would be, as far as what kind of global employment marketplace is there for Americans? Can an American expect that there's going to be a Chinese firm or an Indian firm or you know a UK or Australian firm that's willing to hire them at what our market's rates are? Uh, interesting. You know, I haven't seen that yet. Right. We haven't seen the but, you know, um, like, let's take a look. Development right now, there are a number of companies providing outsourced development services because there's far more. Yeah, look, at the end of the day here, David, this is a there's a marketplace and there's supply and demand. And if there's more demand for software engineers and there are fewer software engineers here in the U.S., you're going to go find outside the U.S. Mm -hmm. and certainly if it makes economic sense. Um, I think when it comes to uh, media marketing, SEO, uh, digital media spend, all these other right. things, the U.S. is probably better at it. And if I was a foreign company saying, gee, I need to start running media campaigns for my 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 company in the U.S., I'm going to want to hire you know, those individuals here in the U.S. And I, so I think it's going to be more you know, industry-specific. Is it yeah. easier for a, you know, a foreign company to hire U.S.-based salespeople now? Sure. Would you go, you know, if you're a foreign company and you want to, a job developer? Is that the smartest move? Probably not. Um, but again, it really depends on the specifics of the opportunity. But you know, hire from anywhere is really going to allow companies to say, look, I, I think your skills are great. But if you don't want to come into the office ever, then why don't I just go get someone from Arkansas, excuse me, Arkansas, you know, to just do that role. <laughs> and I can spend 20% less. I'm not necessarily saying I'm right. going to go hire in Bangladesh. But like, I don't need to hire in the New York area. You know, I've been the same way. I, you know, I talked to my talent team like, hey, you know, why do we have our ads for Philadelphia, for D.C., for uh, New York City, for Boston? I mean, why don't we have uh, ads for places like Scranton or Allentown where there is still a lot of talent? And we even have some employees in those areas. Why aren't we looking for those smaller markets that also are going to be a little bit cheaper and people move to those areas from the bigger cities during the pandemic? That's right. And I'll take it one step further. Let's pretend for a moment that you love Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina. You love Charlotte. Well, you wouldn't want to move there because you have a family where you live and all these other things. But if you actually went to work for a company in Charlotte that says, hey, David, we, we want you to come every Every four weeks, we want you to come for three days. That actually might say, hey, that's pretty cool. I get yeah. every month, and maybe your parent lives there, and all of a sudden, you're getting a trip to Charlotte once a month or every <laughs> six weeks. That's, yeah. and, I, and I think these are the things that people and companies are going to start to embrace as opportunities 
uh, really across the board. But at the, at the end of the day here, you know, you're more valuable today than you were before. And I think we're, that's going to continue for some time. So I got one last final question here for you. And this is something that definitely grabbed my attention when I when I got all your info. It was the tinderization of the recruiting industry and why you should uh -huh. swipe right on on-demand recruiting. Can you discuss <laughs> that for us? Yeah, so I actually think that the next, not not in 22, because we're still very candidate-centric in 22, mm -hmm. um, I think the next hurdle is going to be uh, the resume itself, right? The resume right. was actually created by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, other than the font, it probably hasn't changed much since then, and that we include a mobile number and an email address. And, and I do think that um, pre, in certain, certainly customer-facing roles, you know, pre-screened uh, videos of candidates. And so if I'm looking for someone to be my, you know, uh, 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 office manager, front desk, restaurant clerk, you know, something that's You're very right. customer-facing, you know, why go through a paper-based resume to go screen, et cetera, start at the end, start at the screen process with AI and filter and show me the people that actually have the right skills, but really looking at, hey, I, I want to now check out these, these four people look the best for me. You know, they're, they're going to fit me the best. And, and so you're, you're talking about yeah. like the using video or yeah. photo stuff like Better. that. I mean, wouldn't that open the door and I'm just playing devil's advocates here because I do agree that would be a way better way, but I think that opens up the door for criticism towards bias or other types of isms and stuff like that, um, you know, with the hiring of individuals. What do yeah. you counter with that? I counter that diversity, and, and we take diversity very seriously at recruiter.com, mm -hmm. needs to come from the top, right? right. It's not that, gee, I, I have three people to choose from, let's make sure. But by the way, I, we also think that diversity is about pipeline, mm -hmm. right? Don't send me 100 people and then make me choose the one I, le I like, uh, like the least, but they're, they're diverse. Correct. Only send me 100 diverse candidates, right? So mm -hmm. we do a lot with our, with our software to make sure that, that we're playing in the diversity model that says, and by the way, let, let's assume that even in the Tinderization, only show me people that are diverse because I have to fill diverse roles. And I, and I think that really plays itself very, very well. I, I also believe that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, your companies need to decide their culture and companies Correct. need to decide their priorities. And then in, and we have to provide the tools that enable those priorities to take place. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, especially with the tenderization of profiles, resumes. I mean, my personal resume is kind of like that. It's got picture up there. I actually have an infographic with me and my guitar, the same one I use with uh, the podcast, uh, but it shows it. And it's to me. I know the company that receives this resume is going to see my resume because it's so different that it stands uh -huh. out. Now, whether they call me or not, I, that's another thing. But the thing yeah. is, I'm really, you know, really not even applying for any positions because where yeah. I'm at, you know? The, the example I would give is if you want to hire a comedian for your nonprofit organization, right? right? Do you really right. want to look at resumes and then decide, look at, look at a video based on the resumes? You're going to say, no, show me all the comedians that right. are... Uh, that are not raunchy, that apply to this audience, that are available in these dates. And now you're going to look at a 30-second clip and decide which one is appropriate for your audience and which two. And then you can look at their resume. Because you know what? Their resumes all probably say the exact same thing. 
they were on this show and they did this. Like the resumes say exact, they, they all sound exactly alike, but you, in order to choose that comedian, you want to see a 30 second of their bit. So I yep. filtered out the ones that aren't appropriate for my audience, but then I looked at a video and I think we think the same thing will happen on the resume side. Show me the resumes that are appropriate for my, for this role. But I want to actually see a 15, 30 second video clip. And we, we have a great video platform today. And, uh, you know, we think it'll be really great uh, sometime next year as people start to really uh, uh, take hiring more serious, uh, take the process, change the process around that the process. Digital of transformation of hiring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, you just reminded me in my Facebook binge that I did with uh, Carrot Top watching all his bits. And uh, yeah, that that uh, uh, took me a while to recover from that. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming out here. Uh, let me ask you, how can people find out more about you? I'm sure besides CNDC, there's other places they can find you. Yeah, sure. And recruiter.com. Yeah, so you could always email me at evan at recruiter.com, E-V-A-N at recruiter.com. Uh, you could link into me. Um, I'm on just about every social media possible. I think my Twitter handle is actually Evan Sohn, uh, S-O-H-N. So, but uh, evan at recruiter.com is probably the best way. Okay. Hey, Evan, thank you so much for coming on here. It's been a pleasure. You taught us a lot. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Yep, no problem. Cheers. Wow, such an amazing, intriguing interview with Evan, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it gave you those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business growth, please share us out to your friends, your colleagues, your family. Get us out there wherever you dwell on the interwebs, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Minds, Rumble. We're on Rumble. Uh, Odyssey, we just joined Odyssey as well, too. Wherever you're at, we're at. Share us out there to your network. Now, let's get back to our rock star guest, Evan, okay? Very interesting thoughts on the great resignation and when they will end. Now, to me, what he has is a little bit more than thoughts. I mean, he has actual business intelligence, and I'll get to that in a second. But I want to mention that it really sounds like to me, if you want to hire somebody, you're going to pay a premium if you hire them now. If you can wait, wait towards the end of the year, things should start to level off. But if you need to hire them now, now is to the time to do it. As markets start to normalize, there'll be less incentive for people to jump ship unless they are underemployed and are moving up the ladder. I mean, salaries are going to start to normalize once again. The market's going to cool. And yeah, a million things can happen between now and then. Like, for example, between the time that I recorded this interview and the time that this interview has aired. I mean, we have Russia attacking Ukraine. Uh, you know, you have a, a major conflict going on that does affect global markets. So, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and then. But as of right now, it's really cool all the tech that is behind this because it, it's showing that you can use AI and you can get raw, true data and you can turn that into actual valuable 
business and intelligence that can allow you to make powerful business predictions. And in this case, the powerful business prediction they're making is when the great resignation is actually going to end. I also thought it was interesting about the life cycle of the company Recruiter.com itself in general. I just wanted to make a short side note, simple rule here. But uh, they realized how they were able to grow their business and turn their business into a recurring revenue SaaS machine. They saw a market opportunity. They jumped right into it. And I'm telling you what, it's paying dividends for them. So really congrats on that. It's really cool how they saw that opportunity and really just jumped out there and took full advantage of it. Lastly, yet we have another person who thinks that for working professionals, that the business day is going to evolve into a task-oriented day instead of just blocking time. Nine to five, that's old school now. I mean, digital transformation is really pushing the task-oriented roles, the task orientated jobs and an example of that evan get, told us you know the email receiving something at 11 30 at night how you think about that in 2022 versus 2018 how our thinking has evolved because working nine to five isn't as important as it used to be yes there are certain tasks you've got to do between nine to five but if it's not mission critical, nine to five, i.e. banking or something like that, guess what? It can be pushed off to after hours. And that is acceptable these days because people understand just because my phone rings doesn't mean I have to answer it now if I'm busy. I can get to it later when I get time. Really, really Awesome stuff, Evan. Thank you so much for coming on, talking about your business, giving us your great resignation prediction on when it's going to end. And I, I, again, really, I just love hearing about how your business has grown over the years. Please do me a favor. Check out recruiter.com. See if they can help your business grow. Question of the day. When do you think? the great resignation will end. You heard what our expert thinks. I'd love to hear what you think. Please leave a comment on the video or the audio podcast. Do you want to be on the show? We're about to start a live stream. Please shoot out an email to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Two last final notes. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that little join button, hit that. It's $3 a month. You can become a baby shark. Or if you don't want to give money through big tech, don't worry. We got your back with the freshest coffee, deadhousecoffee.com. Just remember, use code SHARK. You'll get 20% off your fresh coffee order, and we'll get all the proceeds to continue growing this show. Once again, you all know this by now, but I'll tell you anyways. I'm David Strasser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz.
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 